Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we're going to look at the readings for the last Sunday of the church here, Christ the King Sunday. Whatever it is, it's the end of the church here, and we'll begin a new series. We'll be in series B, and we will have an emphasis from the Gospel of St. Mark. And we end on a interesting note. It is, of course, the end times. We have Jesus talking about judgment, and this, of course, comes to us from St. Matthew and the 25th chapter, finishing, or getting close to finishing out that chapter. And it is when the Son of Man comes in his glory— and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him he will gather all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. And I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will say, and I think this is really interesting, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you thirsty, and gave you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, and naked, and clothe you? When did we see you sick, in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. And then those on his left, and those would be the goats, he said, Depart from me, you cursed, into the internal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then he goes on to list, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was in prison, I was sick, and you didn't do anything for me. And it's interesting because the unrighteous will say the same thing. Lord, when did we see you hungry, naked, prison, sick, so on and so forth? And Jesus will answer it, because you did not do it to one of the least of these. You did not do it for me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Okay, so we get judgment. And it's always a little nerve-wracking to speak of judgment, and I have no problem confessing to you that this stuff terrifies me. I know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus died on the cross. He covered my sins. Now, with this, one of the things that continues to sit in my head, especially in the back of my head, it's the words of Satan. Did God really say that you are forgiven? Did God really say he loves you? Did God really say you are alive? And those things eat at me. And praise be to God that I hear preaching and read scripture and pray to God. And again and again and again, 
it is shown to me through Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, that regardless of how I feel, Jesus died for my sins. Now, with that, do I have works to go with that? Do I have a checklist? Do I have a ledger of all the good things that I did to show Jesus just how good I am and how much his work means to me? Nope. I have no such list. I keep no running tally, and I will not look at my works to gain or enter into heaven. Because you'll notice that while I was reading, and I summarized the latter part of the reading, that you have the goats and the sheep gathered together, the righteous and the unrighteous. And the Lord Jesus says, when I was sick, when I was naked, when I was in prison, when I was uh, hungry, when I was thirsty, you provided for me, you ministered to me. And the righteous say, Lord, when did we do any of this to you? And he makes this statement, if you did it for the least of my brothers, then you did it to me or for me. And with this, we see that this is speaking of the proclamation of the gospel. This is the giving of the gospel, the giving of the promise of life of Christ crucified for life eternal. And so this is the care of the minister. This is the care of those who bring the good news to people. And yes, this can be uh, friends, family, so on and so forth. And it's the idea that just because you gave water to someone or fed someone or clothed someone, the, this is the idea that you are of service. You are providing, you are helping. These are good works. And all of this comes and flows naturally from the baptized member, the person who is living out their faith. It just happens. You've heard me say and use this example, if I tell you that I'm a marathon runner, I'm pretty sure you're going to expect that I run marathons. They kind of go together. And the idea that as a member of Christ, you now serve your brothers and sisters in Christ. You now live for them. This is what the gospel frees you to do. It frees you from the works righteousness, the, uh, the inability to earn God's salvation. You are free from the law. You no longer have to earn your way into heaven. You're free. Now, this freedom doesn't mean that you no longer have to worry about the consequences of sin, the earthly consequences of sin, or the problems of the corrupt world. It doesn't mean that you are now free to live as you so see fit. This freedom means you are free to love the neighbor, free to serve the neighbor. And by doing so, you are serving God. This is stewardship, this is discipleship, and these are not the things that uh, that we need to say. They're not just church buzzwords that we need to throw out to make sure that we get our quota of saying the right things. It really is. Discipleship means following Jesus. What did Jesus do? He shows up and he serves his people. He serves those who he comes in to save. He serves them by fulfilling the law. That is, he does everything 
perfect. He perfectly follows God's word. He perfectly does all ceremonial rites, food laws, everything. He does it perfect. He at no moment, no issue, no instance ever does not complete the will of God, the Father. And he does this perfectly. Well, he's God, so he, of course, he can do this perfectly, but he does this in the flesh. The body of Christ, Jesus, as both God and man, is put together, and he connects himself to God, and he connects himself to man. And in doing so, he brings us to be with him. That means he redeems flesh by taking on the flesh. And so when he does everything perfect, and then he acts as substitute, so he lives for you. He lives that perfect life for you. And you get to say, standing before God, I am perfect because Jesus is perfect. I am perfect for Jesus' sake. You know you do not claim that I am perfect because I'm just that good. I'm perfect because I can do it. No, you are perfect for Christ's sake. He lays his robe of righteousness upon you. He lays it so that you will know his work given and delivered to you. And so it is there that we see that now this freedom of the gospel, this freedom of life, this freedom of salvation means that you now get to serve. You get to give people who are naked clothes, people who are in prison visits, people who are sick visits. You get to feed them, give them water, so on and so forth. And all these are a summary of how you get to care for the neighbor. You get to care for their body. You get to care for their life. You get to care for them in these worldly matters. And by doing so, you get to exercise the love of God, which is shown to you. He has provided you life eternal. He has fed you with the very body and blood of Christ. He has watered you with the waters of baptism. He has fulfilled your thirst. It's all the things of the Beatitudes he has laid upon you. Now, again, we being the righteous of God, and this isn't patting ourselves on the back and saying, look how great we are. This is who and what God in Jesus has made us to be. And standing before the throne of God and giving these accolades that you have fed the hungry, you've provided water for the thirsty, clothed the naked, visited the prison, so on and so forth, you'll say, Lord, when did we do these things? When did we do all these great things that you mentioned? Well, this really does, once again, just flows from who you are. This is what you do in faith. This is what Christians do. They give of themselves. And I'm very sincere and serious about this. These, again, aren't nice things to say. It's like saying, oh, Christians, they love people. Well, I don't really know what that means. And I don't say that to be funny. I don't know what it means just to say I love someone if I don't follow that up with actions, if I don't follow that up with the way I treat them, the way I work with them, serve them, interact with them, so on and so forth. And you are commanded by God himself to love your neighbor. Now, this is a command. 
but we delight in this because we're different than the world. We hear God's love and command to love the neighbor, and we say, yes, Lord, let us lavish the love that we have for one another, just as you have lavished this great love upon us, opening up to us heaven and life everlasting. And so that is why we just naturally do these good works. Again, we don't keep track of them. We don't have this secret ledger that we hide in our pocket and make a tick mark every time we do something good so we can remind God of how good we are. No, we just do it. And it's not that we forget it. It's not that we don't know that we're doing these things. It just naturally happens. Uh, it's kind of like breathing or a heartbeat. You only recognize that you're breathing when you're out of breath. You only feel your heartbeat when something's wrong or that it's beating too fast after exercising, whatever. But when you're just living life, going about the normal things that happen day in and day out— you don't think of breathing. You don't think of your heartbeat. You don't think of digesting. You don't think of all the inner workings that just happen. That should be the same way you think of good works. That is the same way you should live in Christ. And this means the, the whole discipleship aspect, following Jesus where he has already gone. Where has he gone? He's gone through your suffering. He's gone through your death. He has gone to and through works good works of feeding, clothing, providing, so on and so forth. And this is what you get to do. You get to follow Jesus where he has already been. And that is to serve the neighbor out of love, out of mercy, out of grace. These are the things you now get to do. And what's great is you delight in them. How amazing is it that you get to serve your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your children, your parents, your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, your whatever, your co-workers, the random person on the street, whatever. You get to be the mask of God. You get to act upon people in a way that God has acted upon you, mercifully, gracious, kindly, all these compassionately, all these wonderful things, because that is what God has done to you, and he has freed you for this service. So again, with this, as you live your life, think about, and yes, make plans. Try to figure out how to serve your husband, wife, children, mother, father, whoever, Go ahead and make plans. Think about this. Don't just wait for God to beam into your head all the good works that you're supposed to do. Make plans, but don't trust in them. It's not, today I'm going to walk 12 old ladies across the street and God will bless me. No, we get to, when opportunity happens, we get to serve, we get to work. How is it that we can help our wife, our husband, how can we serve them? You know your spouse. What would they need? And how can you give of yourself? How can you provide for them more than just going to work or more than just giving them a pat on the back or saying good job? How do you get to give of yourself? And again, 
giving of yourself sacrificially. And it's not just, oh, now I can't do anything else and I have to just forsake everything so I can serve everybody. Now, the flip side of this, the unrighteous that Jesus mentions in this text, he says, you did not see me when I was naked, naked, hungry, thirsty, prison, sick, so on and so forth. You didn't give me anything you didn't visit. And they say the same thing. Lord, when did we see you in any of these situations? And he says, because you have not done this to the least of my brothers, you have not done it to me. Once again, we see that these righteous, unrighteous people, they're living for themselves. They did not serve. They did not provide. They did not interact in a way of giving of themselves. They just did what was self-serving, self-righteousness. Their works, whatever they were, were for them. Yes, that even means if they did something good, it was for their benefit. It's like uh, giving money to a organization and they name a, a room, a building, whatever, with your name on it. You get the honor, you get the accolades, you do this for self-righteous reasons. And we're all guilty of doing work so that we can be seen, so that we can get the pat on the back, so we can get the approval of our fellow brothers and sisters. We're, we're all guilty of this. We all want honor, you know, so on and so forth. And what God is saying is when you start trusting in these works, when you start working to earn, appease, fulfill, what God has already done in Christ, then this is a blatant breaking of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. Basically, you're saying, God, thanks for all your work, but I got it. I'll take it from here. I'll finish this up. And this totally negates what Jesus did on the cross. He dies for your sin. He announces it is finished, meaning Everything that is needed for your salvation is done, is complete. Believe and live. This is what the baptismal life is. Yes, even for the little children. Yes, even for the infant. This baptism, this life, this trust is already given to them. And we get to teach, build, serve our neighbor. Yes, those are our children. Yes, those are our family. And again, even the complete stranger. But we see the unrighteous. They live for themselves. And that's so easy to say, and that's such a broad brush. But that's what self-righteousness does. It is all about the self. Even the most generous person, when they do it outside of faith, when they do it for themselves, whatever. Yes, it might benefit other people. But they're not doing this out of the faith and trust, out of the work that Christ has already instilled in them for whatever reason. And there's countless reasons people give to charities and give of themselves and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, when it is done in unbelief, it is done for self-serving reasons. And this doesn't mean that they're evil, vile, villainous people. They're doing this in some kind of spiritual way that if I just do enough good works, then I will take over the world, whatever, whatever the, the reasons are. The fact that they're not done in faith, 
when they're not done in belief and trust in God, then those works are truly nothing but dirty rags before God. They're not done in Christ, through Christ, with Christ. And this is what is laid before us as Jesus talks about his coming. When he gathers the righteous and the unrighteous, he gathers the righteous to himself and casts out those who have done wrong. And when I mean wrong, this is unbelief. This is the denial, doubt that leads to the fullness of renouncing God as God, as Savior, as Messiah. So as we close out this church year, let us rejoice that we live in the promise. We have been freed in the gospel to live, to trust, and to hold on to life completed and fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.